You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is Tuesday afternoon after a wild, wild, wild weekend and a wild Monday with offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb interviewing down at Alabama. It's been a little crazy, so we've been kind of um, scheduling, canceling, rescheduling, doing a podcast. We were waiting to hear from Ryan Grubb this afternoon. He was supposed to be on KGR at 3, but it looks as though he may have been trying to push that off, and KGR is trying to make it happen again, so... We will see if Ryan Grubb actually does uh, go on the radio and address the Alabama situation. So, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling uh, we may not hear from Ryan Grubb in a while. Is that, is that kind of your take, Chris and Scott? We may not be able to talk to him until spring football? Well, it, well let's be clear, though. He's not pulling. He, he's not, not going on KJR because there's something going on with him. It's just a conflict with a team meeting. So, that, so that's... There's, there's nothing nefarious going on and Grubb trying to push off or change the timing of his interview with KJR. It just happened to be a, con, a time conflict that I don't think he necessarily knew about before it happened. So nothing strange going on there. He's, he's still yeah, going to be at Washington. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not buying it. OK, well, then give us your take. Oh, my gut is somebody told him, yeah, just keep it, keep it on the down low. It's been, there's been enough out there, nothing to be gained from you to be going on the air and talking about it. So okay, uh, that's kind of my thing. Not him canceling because he's thinking about going somewhere else. Well, no. Okay. <laughs> he, well, that's the main point. The, the, the meeting he supposedly has isn't to tell the team he's going to Georgia or Alabama. If that's no, what but you're I suspect inferring. it would be to explain why he did what he did. Well, maybe. A lot I, of speculation I, I out think, there. Considering that there's a lot of feeling out there that one of the main reasons Grubb decided to stay at Washington instead of taking the offensive coordinator job at Alabama is because all these other offensive players like Michael Penix Jr., like Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunzi, Troy Fautanu, they all decided to come back. And there's this idea that he felt beholden to them to do the same thing. I'm sure there's some of that in there. I'm sure there's some of that in there, but, you know, we don't know how the interview went and we don't I don't know for 100 percent. I haven't talked to anybody who's 100 percent certain that he actually was offered the job, you know, and Scott, you've been around long enough to know that, you know, when guys remove their name from consideration for a job, it more often than not means that they didn't get the job. I'm not saying that's the case, but, you know, what's your take on that? Um, I I mean, I I don't know. You're I mean you're asking me something that I haven't honestly thought that much about. I mean I I think he took his 
name out of the running because he felt this was the best place for him. I I I don't know what else to say on on that, that stuff because I I I just don't know. You know, we've heard that he turned it down, but we don't know. So I I don't know. I just don't know, Kim. Yeah, and what's interesting too is you know we, uh, the Washington program kind of went through this with Jimmy Lake the you know uh, last couple of years that he was the coordinator he was flirting with schools every off season he was getting pay bumps he got promoted to defensive coordinator and when you look at Ryan Grubb he got the bump at the end of last football season and then he flirted with Texas A&M he got another bump and then what you were talking about Chris is you know, all the guys that are eligible for the NFL draft saying that they're coming back. And then the window closed for entering the NFL draft. And after two pay raises, two bumps and flirting with other programs, he went down and interviewed with Alabama, which I think maybe put a bad taste in some people's mouth. Well, I think I think two things can be true at the same time. I think it could have put a bad taste in their mouths. And I think you also, when Nick Saban calls, you listen. And he clearly didn't have he couldn't control the timing of when Alabama might want to call him and inquire as to his availability. So, yeah, I, I think all those things can be true. And I think it also could be true that, you know, he may not have been offered. I think it's an easy way to get out of it, especially if you're looking at it from the Alabama perspective. But I could just as easily see him, you know, being in a situation where Nick Saban's like, we don't bring a guy like you all the way down from Seattle unless we're that serious and we're going to offer you the job. Now, it's been reported from the Alabama side that Saban was going to interview a number of candidates and probably interviewed other candidates on Monday besides Grubb. The same so, day, yeah. Yeah, so there could have been a number of names in play here. We don't necessarily know the actual dynamic of all that stuff. The only no thing we know for sure is that Grubb went down there, talked to all those guys, checked it all out, and then came back and made the decision to stay. That's the only thing we know. We don't know yeah. any more real details other than that. Yeah, and Scott, the other interesting aspect, you know, there's a lot of pieces that go in to make a puzzle. But in this day of name, image, and likeness, branding has become an important, you know, uh, piece of the puzzle for not only athletes, but coaches as well. And Ryan Grubb is with CAA. They're one of the biggest, you know, talent agencies out there. And there's uh, some speculation as well as, you know, the agents driving this and the agents pushing for this interview in order to enhance the brand of a Ryan Grubb who has expressed an interest, says he wants to be a head coach someday. Does this up his stock at all interviewing and supposedly turning down Nick Saban? I don't think it hurts. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much that's going to play into it that Nick Saban wanted him, but, and when he goes to get hired for head coaching gigs, but I don't think it's a bad thing for him either. I mean, look, look at the lineage of coaches that have come out of Alabama or just under Saban, you know, as coordinators, you've got guys all over the country that have coached under Saban and are head coaches now, some of them very successful. One of them's a head coach in New York uh, with the New York Giants, uh, Brian Dayball, he was his offensive coordinator, I think, um, whatever he was, you know, he's he's done a lot of good. He's he's promoted a lot of guys um, and, it, you know, several of his guys have won national championships. So, like, I agree with Chris. Nick Saban calls you at, at the very least. You take a you take the call, you listen to him, you see what he has to say. 
And I, I always hearken back to that, that, uh, you know, uh, money ball at the very end when, you know, Brad Pitt is meeting with the owner of the Boston Red Sox. He goes, you're, you're really happy in, in Oakland. You've done so much there. Why are you here? And he goes, because it's the Red Sox, yeah. you know, it's Alabama, the, the number one program in the country, arguably. And hey, Chris. I think you just have to take that call. Did Jimmy Lake turn Nick Saban down? I I believe he did. That's that's at least what we understand to be true. And used uh, for leverage. Being a def- defensive coordinator, he turned a lot of people down um, for him to stay at Washington, and that's why he ended up being the main play caller, and that's why Pete Kwiatkowski gave him the reins, so to speak, in his final years coordinator and play caller, and and took a little bit of a, a smaller role because they understood at the time that staff and Chris Peterson knew that Lake star was on the rise and they had to give him some leeway and give him some upward momentum so that he could take the next step forward. What we didn't realize a year later was that Peterson was going to leave and then Lake would end up being the head coach at Washington. We just assumed maybe Lake would end up being a head coach somewhere, maybe at the mountain West level or somewhere in a different league, uh, maybe jump, and maybe finally take that that coordinator job at a place like Alabama down the road. So we don't know we don't know what's going to happen with Grub, but that this, there are certain comparisons that are uh, certainly valid. Well, Jimmy Lake used it and uh, it, you, he leveraged it for another pay raise. Ryan Grubb's already had two pay raises this year. Do you think uh, there's another one in the works for Ryan Grubb? No, there's no pay raise after this. No one. way. I mean, let's put it this way, Kim. I don't know if people understand this. Do you do you know how much Bill O'Brien, Alabama's last offensive coordinator, you know how much he made in 2022? I think it was one one or one two. Yes, one point one million dollars. Ryan Grubb's already on line at Washington to make two million dollars in 2023. And what was this the buyout? Was not, this was not about two million. Money. If he left, what was the buyout? Two million. Two million. It's a year's salary. This yeah. was not about money, in my opinion. You now you can say it's always about money. This is if, if we're going to talk about this in terms of money, this was about earning potential down the road as a head coach, because this was all about forward momentum for Ryan Grubb. This was all about jumping to a position where if you look at the Steve Sarkeesians, the the Lane Kiffins, the like Scott said, the Brian Dables, the, those types of guys, those are all guys that ended up jumping way, way over their pay grade after they spent time with Nick Saban and, and was his offensive coordinator. And there's no reason to think that Ryan Grubb wouldn't have been on that exact same trajectory. Well, I think it's also interesting, you know, I, last year, Ron McKeefe signed a deal with Washington and then Nick Saban came calling again, Ron McKeefe, the strength and conditioning coach at Washington. And Nick Saban came after Ron McKeefe, which caused Washington to give Ron McKeefe another bump. What's the, what's Ron, Chris, you did it. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. What are they paying their strength and conditioning coach right now? At Washington? Isn't it seven? Um, yeah, he's making I think six hundred right now. Six hundred last year, six hundred this year, and that might get bumped again. And he's got the the same incentives that the other assistants do, like in terms of you know APR bonuses, uh, championship bonuses, whether that's Pac-12 championship or or you know um, national championships. So he's got all the same things that all the other assistants would have. Yeah, I know talking to Kirk McNair and Chris, I don't know if you had a chance to meet Kirk McNair, but he's been following Alabama football. 
Yeah, I mean, Kirk's a good old boy. He's been he's been doing this since Bear Bryant. And, you know, talking to Kirk and, you know, he's out in his deck overlooking the lake, smoking a cigar, drinking a bourbon. And he's going, didn't we try to take your strength and conditioning coach last year? Because ours still sucks. <laughs> so it was interesting talking to Kirk. So it'd be interesting to see if they circle around back with Ron McKeefrey. But, Scott, if, you know, Ryan Grubb had gone to Alabama as the offensive coordinator you don't go there and inherit the staff. You hire some people you're familiar with. You know, what are the chances he would have taken a couple guys off the Washington staff with him? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their position situation is down there. What their position coach situation is down there. Um, I mean, I think he would have at least talked to some guys, but you know, some of those guys would have been in line for possible promotions here at the University of Washington. So I, I doubt you would have seen anyone leave. Yeah, I liked this stuff out on Twitter yesterday, and everybody was thinking about it. You know, Ryan Grubb to Georgia with Penix, O'Dunsey, and McMillan following him. Jim Harbaugh to the Broncos and Kalen DeBoer going uh, going back to Michigan. How, that was a good one, by the way. Yeah, you, was it really Georgia they were saying? Yeah, Monken just – he just interviewed with Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. gotcha. and so it could okay. so he could he could have had his the people were, could you know could have been talking about having his choice between Alabama or Georgia. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, Denver Broncos hired Sean Payton, so uh, Jim Harbaugh is not going to <laughs> to he's not going to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, he but, interviewed with them for a second time. Yeah, over the weekend. Yeah. Hey, so Kim, one th- one thing I'd add about this coaching carousel thing that that we're talking about and the idea of uh, a, a program like Alabama trying to 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 take away a guy like Ryan Grubb or Ron McKeefery or a Jimmy Lake in the past. This may give heart palpitations to Washington fans, and I apologize in advance. It's not my intent. But I think people need to come to the realization that Washington is getting back into the big leagues, guys. And this is what happens. When you have top, top coaches, there's other programs out there that are going to try to pilfer them. They're going to try to snag them. And there's going to be a lot of tapping up with agents. You know, you already mentioned CAA, Kim. You are, you know, there's all, all these other entities going on behind the scenes that are trying to work this power dynamic. And Washington is starting to get back into that mix. This oh, yeah. should be taken as a positive sign. Because well, if those guys get taken, there are lots of other guys from other places in the country that want to be a part of this. Because they can see that Washington don't we don't stepping stone is the wrong term. It's not a stepping stone, but it's a place where you can move. It's a place where you can you can achieve objectives. And that's a really important thing to understand right now. Well, what's interesting, too, Chris, is I told you this a couple months ago when we um, were at a basketball game and Kalen DeBoer has been at quite a few basketball games. And, you know, I kind of caught him back in the in the back. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, hey, right now I'm trying to hang on to my coaches. He said this a couple months ago. So I kind of get the feeling that, uh, you know, um, Ryan Grubb wasn't the only one who had offers out there because I'm guessing that, you know, Jamarcus Shepard's pretty highly thought of as, you know, uh, also know that uh, Scott Huff was in the running for some stuff as well. You know, guys were coming after Scott Huff. So don't think that Ryan Grubb was the only one that schools were coming after because they were coming after more than that. Well, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Kim, the idea of if Grubb had gone to Washington, would he have taken other coaches with him? There's the other part of it to suggest that if Grubb left for Alabama, would it, be one of those things where, you know, again, Washington fans have already seen this when Peterson, you know, when he stepped down, Lake immediately just kind of filled that vacuum. 
would this be a situation where, um, you know, does Nick Sheridan immediately just fill that vacuum? Because he was Michael Penix's offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Indiana after DeBoer. Would it be a Jamarcus Shepard who's been an offensive coordinator? Would it be Scott Huff who's been a co-offensive coordinator? Would it have been a combination of those guys? Because Sheridan's the only one that's actually coached quarterbacks. So he would have to be a part of that equation. Or would DeBoer have had to look outside, find other guys from his tree, or go, like in the case of Shepard, completely outside his tree? A lot of different options going on there, but now, you know, this is a discussion we don't have to wait for for probably at least another year. Well, the other thing, Scott, is I've asked numerous people, and I don't get a consensus on this question. The offense that Washington ran this year and the offense that was run at Fresno State, is that Kalen DeBoer's offense or is that Ryan Grubb's offense? Because I got guys that are adamant it's Ryan Grubb's and I got guys adamant it's Kalen DeBoer's. What's your thought on that? Uh, Well, I know exactly what it was. The bones and the architecture of the offense is Kalen DeBoer's. But Ryan Grubb has made it his own because he's the play caller. He's the one who has designed plays. He's the one who's who's making adjustments and 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 designing different things. So it's a mixture, but I would say it's more Kalen DeBoer's offense with Ryan uh, Grubb's personality behind it. Think about think about it this way, guys. Kalen DeBoer's the architect, but Ryan Grubb's the interior designer. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's the one that actually puts the look around it. The finishes again. Yes. But yeah, he does the finishing touches and he's the one that makes it look how it looks. But if you look at it from the outside with the 10,000 uh, mile view from above, you're going to look at that house and go, yeah, that's Kalen DeBoer's house. So that, yeah, that's I, how I look at it, at least. Yeah. And going down, you know, that road that we didn't have to go to Fetters, you you, you were putting together an offensive coordinator hot list. You put some well, time yeah, in. It's still there. It's still hanging out. I Who hope I got? remember it in a year. Who I think that was it. My suggestion, too, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. That No, trust me. I didn't go as deep in it last night as I could have. Uh, thankfully, my eyes were starting to, to droop a little bit. So I decided to hang it up. But yeah, yeah but you're saving it for next year. Who you got on it? Come on. Well, it's obviously I, I already kind of alluded to a little bit of it earlier when I talk about there's a mix of Nick Sheridan, Scott Huff, Jamarcus Shepard. I think probably two of those three guys, if not all three of them. Now, and let's be real clear, too. All all the offensive guys have a handle or a part to play in not only creating the scheme itself and the offense that they run, but also the game planning. You know, who's going to get the who's going to get the ball what plays are working best, all those types of things really go to all the offensive coaches. But if if right now, if you put DeBoer in me and I'm looking at it from DeBoer's perspective, I'm thinking probably a combination of, of Sheridan with either Shepard or uh, Huff. And I would think maybe Huff right now because Huff is an offensive line guy just like Grubb was. So there's maybe some touchstones there that people can use to – to use as a basis for comparison. I think you've got those guys going on. Obviously I put Kirby Moore in there and yes, I understand he just left Fresno state to go to Missouri, but he is a guy with vast knowledge of this offense and he's been at Missouri basically a month now, if not just a little less than a month. We've seen situations where guys have gone to a place for a week or two or a couple weeks and then taken off. So that could have happened. And, and the reason just, Kirby Morris on that list was because he was with uh, he was with the, this coaching staff down at Fresno State. He was there under DeBoer for a couple of years. Correct. Yeah. So there there was that stuff going on. Um, 
even looking at a guy, um, God, I can't remember his name right now, but he's the offensive coordinator of Georgia Southern. And he actually uh, was the offensive coordinator uh, and, and actually, I don't know if he was the offensive coordinator, but he coached at USC under Clay Helton. And that's why he's at Georgia Southern now. But he also coached with Jamarcus Shepard at Western Kentucky. So there's, I think his last name's Ellis. And so, um, you know, there, there, I just had those guys in there. Um, you know, you could look at, I also, I was looking at a guy like Joe Moorhead, who actually was the offensive coordinator at Oregon um, for a little bit, for a couple of years. But that's a guy that if you look at what's going on with Deion Sanders and Colorado guys, who did he get for his offensive coordinator? He got Sean Lewis from Kent State, the head coach. Yeah. So why wouldn't another Mac head coach maybe make a move to make maybe three or four times as much money? Because right now, I think Moorhead, if I looked up the, the salary numbers, I think he's making like 200 to 250. I mean, he could quadruple his money in a, in a heartbeat. Well, the other and Now, I know he's making a lot because he got a big se- settlement when he got fired at Mississippi State. Yeah. So, there, so there's that to factor into it. But he understands the West Coast. He understands the Pac-12. He was at Oregon. He was at Penn State, big offensive mind, runs a multitude of different offenses. He's a very experienced coach, and he's been a head coach, too, which I thought was valuable. So hey, just look at it, guys like that, too. Hey, Scott, just to make somebody, you know, a few heads explode out there, the quarterback coach from the Dallas Cowboys, who I don't know the status of, but working under Kellen Moore. Remember, you know who the quarterback coach is for the Dallas Cowboys? No. Doug, Doug Nussmeyer. Doug oh, Nussmeyer. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> no, Doug Nussmeyer's not coming back here. <laughs> Who, ironically, was the last Washington offensive coordinator to get poached by Alabama. So it's actually happened before. Yeah, where's uh, where's Nesmeyer's kid, by the way? Didn't he transfer? Yeah, he was at LSU, and now he's somewhere else, I think. I can't remember. Garrett Nesmeyer. Yeah. yeah can't I can't remember where he went to, though. I don't remember, but like I said, you know, that'll make some people's heads explode if you mention that name, so... Anyways, uh, signing day uh, is tomorrow, Wednesday. It's always the first Wednesday of the in February. But when we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors and we return, we'll go over what to expect on signing day for tomorrow. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply we're back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Signing day 2023. Washington signed most of their guys in the early signing period, which is pretty common. But Scott, give people an idea of what to expect tomorrow on signing day. Uh, well, tomorrow, Chris and I, well, at least I, I, I can't really speak for Chris, but uh, Chris and I should be on early, probably about seven o'clock in the morning. 
Um, and we'll just kind of go through things. Um, we're expecting uh, at least one guy to sign uh, tomorrow, and that'll be uh, – we think that Tayshawn Lyons will end up signing his letter of intent to the University of Washington. And then uh, at 145, Austin Mack, 2024 quarterback from Folsom High School, same high school as Jake Browning. Uh, he's going to make his announcement on the 247 YouTube channel. And we believe that it's going to be good news for Husky fans. So keep an eye out for that. But other than that, we're just going to be keeping track of all the stuff that goes on across the country. Uh, Oregon's trying to close strong. It sounds like they might be piddling out a little bit. It sounds like some guys that they were uh, in really good shape for are going to are starting to see crystal balls go to other schools. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, USC, I think, has a couple guys. UCLA. Um, you know, Colorado is going to try and sign a, a number of guys. So we'll just have to see there. And then um, we're, we're also going to rehash all the guys who signed with Washington back in um, back in December. So all of those signing day profiles will be back up for you guys to take a look yep. at the people. We've had so many people sign up here over the past couple weeks um, as new subscribers. And those are people who probably haven't seen those yet. So we're going to post those for people to look at and read and, and, uh, maybe get, get a few updates on those as well. So should be a fun day tomorrow, even though, though it'll be a little bit less eventful than a lot of people like it to be. Scott, I gotta say, tell you, I really liked your description of what was uh, going on down at Oregon. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yep. They are. They're petering out. Oh, I thought you said piddling. I did. I did. <laughs> I actually meant petering, but I said piddling. So I don't know. It reminds me of puddles. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Tayshawn Lyons, um, I've heard he's already signed, you know. So what? what's the delay on that whole thing? He's got a group of friends that he wants to sign with. It sound, somebody posted on our board that it's going to be on February 3rd, actually. So uh, I don't know if that's the case or not. But So we'll just kind of keep keep monitoring that and keep an eye on that. But uh, we're pretty sure that uh, Washington will, will um, get good news tomorrow on Tayshawn Lyons. He's a wide receiver out of Tennyson High School in Hayward, California. That's in northern California. Is that the Bay Area? Hayward? Yeah, it's East Bay. East Bay area. Uh, six, two and a half, 165 pounds. So he's not very big, uh, has, has some explosion, uh, not the deep threat that a lot of people want a guy to be. He runs about a four, six, four, six, five, 40, but, uh, great hands, really good route runner. The coaches offered him pretty early in the process and, um, ended up getting a commitment from him back in mid, uh, December, about 12, on the 16th, it looks like, but he decided that he doesn't want, he didn't want to sign then. He wanted to sign with all of his friends on signing day. So that's the reason for the delay. Absolute stunner fall out of your chair if he does anything but announce Washington tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's coming to Washington. Yeah. Well, again, let's be, let's be, let's be clear, though. You know, Scott just noted that he thinks that the signing day celebration for Lions and his teammates is going to be on Friday. Yeah, so so there may I, not be anything that comes out tomorrow. Possibility yeah. now for me personally, I think it gets announced regardless of when he decides to do his little signing thing because whatever he's signing is already been signed. Yeah. Um, also, you had a chance to talk to the running back from Mississippi State, the transfer into Washington, Dylan Johnson. Uh, you actually talked to him. What uh, fill people in on why there was a little bit of drama around him and what's going on? So I talked to him on Thursday and uh, he had said, um, I, I'm still loving Washington. I don't know why people think I'm going somewhere else. And I said, well, 
because Mississippi, the Mississippi site said you're flipping to them. And he goes, I'm not even talking to them. What what's going on? And I'm like, that's just the rumors. And he goes, OK, so then uh, he said, Washington's in tomorrow. I'm still locked in with Washington. And then I called him uh, Saturday and he said, hey, man, I'm all locked in for Washington and everything Sunday. Um, he texted me back and he just said, Hey, I just want to make sure, you know, I am completely locked in. Washington's where I want to be coach Grubb, coach, uh, Marks were here. They, they completely sold me. Then Monday morning, he texted me and said, uh, what? Uh, what? And, and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm what like, do you mean? And he, he goes, goes, uh, what's going on with Grubb? And I said, oh, well, and that was after the report started coming out and everything. And so I explained that he's down there interviewing and he says, yeah, I'm not locked in anymore. <laughs> and he said, because that offense is what I want to be a part of. And I said, OK. So I said, how about I call you out? I said, because this this will be coming down pretty quick. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm talking to Coach Marks tonight. And so um, I called him last night. He said that Coach Marks said not to worry about anything. Um, and then, and apparently coach Grubb got on with him. I don't know, maybe I misunderstood that, but that's what it sounded like. But, um, this morning, once the reports came out that Grubb was in, I called him back and he said, I'm locked in now. You can put it down, put it in pen, Scott. And so I did. Can you so. text him right now while we're on this podcast and ask him if he's still locked in? Can you do no. that? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. So <laughs> okay. I mean, he's, he's a really nice kid for, for someone who's never met me. For someone who doesn't need to talk to me anymore now that he's made his decision and everything, he's he's picked up the phone every time I've called. He's responded to all my texts. Uh, he's been really great with me. So um, old school, huh? Yeah, I know. It's like he actually answered the phone. I couldn't believe it. But um, uh, he, and he's got a five month old boy and uh, his uh, the mother of the child, who is also I, I think that's still his girlfriend. I'm pretty sure. Um, they will be moving up here in uh, June. He said we've already started looking for her. So yeah, and he was also talking to South Carolina. Was that true? Yeah, it was South Carolina and Mississippi State were the two that were really trying to get him to to you know to sway him from his commitment to Washington. Michigan, Mississippi State. The biggest reason why was because he has friends on the team, and they, those guys were all working on him. And he's still in class with a lot of those guys. So. Um, but, uh, and then, uh, South Carolina just needed a running back and, and they were trying to sell him on being in the sec. They're like, you're better than the pac 12. And he said, but that offense is something that'll show people that I can catch the ball and run the ball. And I can, that would, that'll help set me up for the NFL. And I said, I, and I couldn't disagree with them. I think running backs nowadays in NFL offenses, with the way they're throwing the ball, they're throwing the ball over 50% of the time. You got to be able to catch the ball and pass protect. And and I'll tell you what, last year Washington had arguably the best uh, pass protector ever for the program as far as, and I'm that's saying a lot. I get it, but Wayne Talapapa was the best I've ever seen, and I've covered this team for almost 20 years, Kim, and that he is the best I've ever seen. As good as Miles uh, Miles uh, Gaskin was, as good as Bishop Sankey was, and uh, Coleman was, and Chris Polk was pretty darn good too. All those guys were great. There is no one better than Wayne Talapapa from what I saw. Yeah. So did did he ever clarify with you the remarks? You know, the thing he put on Twitter that uh, you know Coach um, Leach had called him soft. Did he ever address that? I. That was so Washington's interest in him picked up right after Mike Leach left. 
and he just or I'm sorry, Mike Leach passed away and and that's he just didn't want to talk about it. He never wanted to talk about it. That's well, why one, he one, thing, one thing we can talk about, guys, I think now that we know what Dylan Johnson has said regarding Washington's offense, I think we can go full circle on this debate about whether or not the offense is Kalen DeBoer's or Ryan Grubbs. I think when the kid says, well, if Grubbs not there, I'm not there. I think that'll tell you when it's when it comes to the actual players that are going to be running the system. They think it's Ryan Grubbs offense, and I'm not going to disagree with them. Also, uh, Scott, tomorrow expecting an announcement from uh, the quarterback from Folsom. Yeah, we I addressed that a little bit earlier. He's we expect really good news for Washington. Austin Mack, he's a you know 2024 guy. There's been some rumors that he could be reclassifying. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying uh, the kid is 16 years, just turned 16 years old during the season. And that's real young to enroll early. He he's going he will be 16 when he enrolls at the University of Washington if he reclassifies. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying a lot of people are saying that it's not going to happen. So and Washington we'll already has a quarterback for that class committed with um, EJ Kamenong. Yeah, yeah. What what impact does uh, Austin Mack committing I, have? On I think if he reclassifies, it has zilch of an impact on Kamenong. But I think if he doesn't reclassify, I think. Um, uh, I think you're looking at Kamenong, maybe at least looking around a little bit. And, you know, I mean, a lot of is going to play into this because what if Ryan Grubb leaves for a head coaching gig before EJ Kamenong signs? You know, uh, Scott, you're talking about reclassifying. You're talking about him coming in for next year for football. Yeah, this 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 summer he'd come in. Yep. As a what, are the chances? what are the yeah. chances that could happen? Oh, I'd say 50 50. Yeah. Do you remember when you were 16, Scott? Uh, no. No, I don't. Yeah, I do know this. I was never mature enough to go to college. <laughs> now, Scott, rem- college you have football. to cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it already stated earlier that Mac was considered pretty young for his class, anyways, as a 24 player? Yeah, yeah. He's he turned 16 in the middle of the season, Chris. It, it was like late October. So. And and if he did reclassify, would he reclassify in time for spring ball? No. Yeah, okay. he would not. So, He's okay. not set up for that. Uh, apparently, he'd have to take some classes and stuff. Like I said, this is just rumors going around the internet. These are not these are not coming from any official sources or anything like that. But he has been asked about it, and um, and I do know that being 16 is not an easy age to to just say, yeah, I'm going to go play college football with a bunch of guys who are five and six years older than me. Yeah, how big is he, Scott? Well, six, six. Yeah, we've, we've got him listed at six, six. I think, what, 200 or 210, 210? something like that. Yeah, I think 210. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. and um, he's not a statue, but he's not. He, honestly, he reminds me a little bit of Tanner McKee with a little bit better wheels. So. Yeah. Interesting. But it's going to be really interesting. So obviously, so tomorrow, Wednesday, not only is there 2023, the first day of the signing period, but now you've got one of the top quarterbacks on the West Coast making a decision. And not only could he commit to Washington, but I'm assuming they are going to address this idea of whether he reclassifies. And if he does that, I mean, you're right, Scott, that would solve all their problems. Well, it would. But but, you know, I just 
I, you know, we cannot go down this hole because, you know, from everything that I've heard is the family doesn't has has told him that he should stay. So I, I just <clears throat> I just don't know at this point in time yeah, for his age. There's absolutely no reason why he should reclassify on the one yeah. hand. But on the other hand, if he spies an opportunity and they've told him that if you if you do come in and reclassify, we're not going to go into the portal for a 23 player. That that mm-hmm. would be, that would be awfully tempting. <laughs> uh, 16 is so young. Yeah. Yes, it's very it really that is. that is the one thing that I would I would wonder about a lot. But again, you know, Folsom and and I know it's tough to make the Jake Browning comparisons cuz clearly when you're talking about players, Austin Mack is physically night and day different than Jake Browning. But from a program perspective, and the way Troy Taylor set up that program, the former head coach who's now at Stanford, um, you know, you just get the sense that those guys are awfully mature for their age. Jake Browning came to Washington and started as a true freshman. He had also started, though, for three straight years at Folsom. Correct. Uh, Austin Mack had just started this year. Right, right. So, there, again, there's a lot of differences, but I'm kind of wondering just the way that program has been set up, starting with Taylor and the guys and, and the way he mentored these quarterbacks. Now, granted, Taylor's been at Sac State before he was at Stanford, so I don't know who took over the the development of the quarterbacks at Folsom, but you just get the sense that these guys play, you know, they play a lot older than their age to begin with. Hey, Scott, with tomorrow being signing day, would you anticipate, and we're expecting Tayshawn Lyons, we're expecting an announcement from Austin Mack, should we be sitting on the edge of our seat for – Anybody to announce for Washington tomorrow? Not to my knowledge. Nope. Are they done? Yes. With 2023s and even the portal at this point. Uh, we'll expect to see a little bit more portal movement after spring ball. Yes. For yeah, sure. I think it, you'll see that. Is it the first week in June or first week of July to enroll in school for um, uh, fall last, sport? Last week of Last week of June. Last week of June is when the leap happens. That's when leap happens. But uh, for fall sports, um, I don't think you have to be enrolled until. I mean, if, if a guy showed up in August. Um, I thought there was a drop dead date in June or July. I I could be wrong on that, but I maybe maybe they're not allowed to take part in practices until they're enrolled. But we'll have to take a look. Yeah, so. but. I mean, classes usually start that last week of September or the first day or two of October. So, you know, I thought they just had to be enrolled for fall quarter, but I could be wrong on that. All right. Let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, Chris Fetter's final thoughts. Yeah, again, um, we keep telling people that sometimes the offseason is a lot busier than the regular season. And I think the last 48 hours has, has given an object lesson as to why that's the case. Um, obviously Ryan Grubb had tons of reasons to look at Alabama, but he also had tons of reasons to stay at Washington. The only thing I don't want to hear about is I don't want to hear about anything about loyalty or ethics or any of that kind of stuff. This is business. It has nothing to do with ethics. I mean, Kalen DeBoer left Fresno state, who was the first school to give him a head coaching opportunity at the FBS level. And he left them after like what? 15 games. 16 games. So let's not let's not go with the with the loyalty thing or any of that stuff, because Ryan Grubb had so many more reasons to come back. He had Ryan, he had Michael Penix Jr. He had Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Troy Faltanu, uh, 11 and two beating Texas. 
you know, being a top 10 preseason team for 2023, $2 million in the bank. He had all sorts of reasons <laughs> to come back to Washington. So ultimately, Washington fans should be thrilled that he came back. But this won't end, guys. This is just the beginning. A lot of these coaches are going to try to get copped by other programs because they know Washington not only develops players, but they develop coaches. And so this is something that I think Washington fans are just going to have to get used to. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Hey, Chris, was this the most uh, traction you've ever gotten on a tweet when you tweeted out that uh, Grubb was uh, interviewing? Maybe, probably. Uh, Ironically enough, it was your story. So yeah, <laughs> but but I wasn't around, so you took care of it. But I mean, it was I I just I was watching it yesterday as as you know the engagement for it was going on. It was crazy. But um, as far as you know, Washington is great that they're able to keep uh, Ryan Grubb in the fold. It's great that uh, you know they have a selling point that he turned down Alabama. Whether that's actually the truth or not, who knows? But that's what what they're going to sell it as. Um, I think it's only going to bode well on the recruiting trail for them. Uh, the key is going to be, you know, a lot. There's going to be a lot of negative recruiting on Washington when it comes to Grubb sticking around um, for next year. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. But uh, definitely a good thing for Washington in 2023. The 2023 20 yeah, the 2023 season might have more hype for it than any season. For the University of Washington heading into the season other than the 1991 season, because I remember that everybody thought Washington was going to go to the national title and and that was the hype going into the season, even with Mark Brunel getting hurt, was that Washington had the team to go to a national title. Well, this team might not have what it takes to go to a national title, but they're going to be a top 10 team heading into the season. They're going to be a conference favorite. They're going to have a Heisman Trophy winner. They've got all their coaches back, at least as of today. They've got all of their coaches back, coming back. Um, it's going to be an incredible year, and they really need to maximize this because it might not get much better than this, at least for a little while. Hey, Scott, one more question for you. Yeah. Or I just want to address one more thing. Just It wasn't very long ago. Uh, our good friend and uh, good friend for all of the high school programs in the state of Washington, Ryland Spencer, is uh, taking a new role. Yeah, he's going to be going over to uh, Bothell High School and doing some stuff with them. Um, I think Ryland just got tired of, of having to go out and run around and hustle, and he was looking for some new challenges. And he loves high school football. He'll always love high school football. He'll be those like those old guys that you see in the stands, just sit, don't have a rooting interest in either school, just love co- going and watching high school football on a, on a Friday night in fall. And those that's going to be Ryland Spencer. And you'll see him doing that next year, probably um, out at some games uh, scouting for Bothell. But even once he's done with with working for Bothell High School, I think you'll see him out at games because he just loves it so much. I think one of the tricks I was going to say, Kim, real quick, I think I can speak for all of us when I say there's been no person in the last decade when it comes to Washington preps and football at any level that has done more for players in general than Ryland. And so his, so that part of it, I think is going to really, really be missed by so many families that he impacted, but for him to jump up and now take a real uh, big role within one of the biggest programs in the state is fantastic. And I wish him nothing but the best. I think it's a great move. 
Yeah, and just a shout out to Ryan. And uh, there are times when I cut my burger, Ryan. It happens. So get over it. Who's Ryan? <laughs> Ryland. Okay. Ryland. The burger bastard. Uh-huh. You're, you're really – okay. You just you just said the unspoken. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, what's the first rule of burger club, Kim? Come on, man. I wouldn't know. No, it's just been a kind of a crazy week, and over the weekend is when we started hearing leaks of the Ryan Grubb thing. Uh, we didn't know whether it was going to happen. Sunday, we heard rumors that he was indeed going to fly out, but uh, you know, got some uh, you know conversations with my good friends back at Alabama. Nick Saban doesn't let his assistant coaches talk to the media. He's got things on lockdown down there. You know, you get to talk to the assistant coaches one time at the beginning of the year. And when we talk about coaches having things on lockdown, there are coaches that do that. But Alabama lockdown, Nick Saban's a completely different animal. And we actually had somebody from the Alabama site uh, confirm that uh, uh, Ryan Grubb was in the building yesterday. So yesterday was when we were first able to really confirm of things that we'd heard over the weekend. So uh, now it's been kind of crazy. The Dylan Johnson thing, uh, also a little bit crazy. And we'll see what happens tomorrow on signing day. So um, just a reminder, ends tomorrow at nine o'clock at night, 60% off your annual subscription to dogman.com. So don't miss out on that spring football coming up, which should be real interesting. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.